Well, welcome. This is a special edition of A Vision for You. My name is Melanie C., a recovered compulsive overeater living in Canby, Oregon. Today is Sunday, September 25th, 2022. The share ID numbers for Friday, September 23rd, are the following. The 7 a.m. Eastern Time Weekday Big Book Study Group share ID number is 19443-19443. And the share ID number then for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Big Book Study Meeting is 19444. 19,444. This morning, A Vision for You presents Practical Spirituality, Daily Routines, Practices, and Intentions. The big book sets us up for success. It is meticulously laid out for us to walk along to become recovered, each in their own way 100% restored. On any given day, there is a method of step work and practices that keeps us safe and protected. There are several cautionary lines to alert us about choices that we might make that could be fatal. We want to adhere to, so we listen and we learn. We learn to step away literally and figuratively from those things as we grow along spiritually to become stronger and the ability empowers us. We have a daily reprieve from the symptoms of this disease in such a practice. Thank God. In the doctor's opinion, page XXIX, fourth edition, with clear attention, it reads what we would execute to gain this insurance, and that is the only effort necessary being that require to follow a few simple rules. This program of action is totally spiritual in its essence, and as a daily practice, we find a way to maintain the spiritual connection to grow personally and effectively in our understanding of power. In that place, we find peace. We find peace. Peace in our fellows, peace with the world as it functions on its own with its own mind and its own design about us, peace with ourselves, and peace with God. That's all we ever wanted. Living at peace in our own skin without any mind-altering food or chemicals of any kind. Focusing upon each step and enlarging our manner to live spiritually is the joy of living. Fashioning a purposeful foundation for this way of living need not be difficult, complex, or even a consumer of great lengths of time. Power does not require that of us. The terms are simple yet meaningful. It comes from the heart, one baby step at a time. Bill Wilson himself started with crying out, very simple crying out. It was pretty raw and pretty unsophisticated. His prayer was, if there be a God, if there is a God, let him show himself. Then what followed that crude prayer was a mighty powerful experience for old Mr. Wilson. It was so highly profound that Bill wasn't too sure if he hadn't perhaps lost his mind. That is proof that terms are not too harsh and can begin rudimentally. Within our 24 hours, we tend to it just like this. Tomorrow has not been created yet, so I stay out of there. And yesterday has been tucked away, so I amend that. Today is the very day, this 24 hours which I have to practice a very simple plan 
each day. Today, our guest speaker will take all the tips and the suggestions and experience and wisdom that we learned about from the big book and the fellowship and the extensive literature and beyond and share with us his personal journey in the development of a spiritual practice. It is quite important to mention that it is a practic it is practical in its nature, practical. It's essence of practice. Listen to the definition, it's very specific. Practical, of or concerned with the actual doing or use of something rather than in theory or ideas. You know that moving part, we're gonna move, it's an action thing. It's beyond getting ready to commence, to start, to begin. It is actually a moving. Where my feet are is the measure of my conviction, not what I think or wish. Well, we are going to journey along today to see the development of such a commitment and conviction and perhaps even hear the reciprocal side of the miracles that abound in such a practice. It will be interesting to hear just how in the light of necessary growth this has developed from a seed as we all come in here with what it's like today. So let's follow along. Our guest speaker, a longtime member of Vision for You and of Overeaters Anonymous, is all set to jump in and share with you. But I first wanted to tell you that he has recently celebrated five years of solid recovery back-to-back absence that is of great benefit to himself and the world world world. I'm getting getting tongue twisted here. Worldwide, for the still suffering compulsive overeater, we can always rely upon him. He's there to lend a hand and be so available for our big book study in particular. Our guest speaker hails today from the wonderful state of Pennsylvania and joins us to be able to share about this. Please join me in congratulating Jason Kay on his five years of absence and what an excitement it will be to welcome him also to speak on this topic today. Welcome, Jason Kay. Thank you so much, Melanie. I am Jason Kay, recovered compulsive uh, overeater and bulimic from outside of Philadelphia, and so great to hear from you, Melanie, and to hear your kind words and, and your introduction on, uh, on our message of recovery. So I want us to think about this thought and this question, which is, what is your daily routine? So what's your daily routine? What does this practice look like for you? I've heard this question over and over again after special editions, and I, I, I wonder if it's a, a hunger to sort of know more intimately, more deeply, more nitty-gritty, what each person's uh, practice of the 12 steps look like. And this is an imminently practical uh, set of spiritual principles put to daily use, and I wanted to dive into that topic more deeply today. So that's our intention, that's my focus today, that's the topic, uh, practical spirituality, What does it look like on a a daily basis? I hope by the end of it, you'll be able to say what my daily routine looks like, and I hope it will inspire and inform your daily routines. So my goal is to share briefly about my story, maybe five minutes. Uh, I want to dive into the spiritual experience appendix, and then I want to talk about steps one through nine on a day-to-day basis, but really step 10, step 11, and if we can get to it, step 12 are going to be the focus of this talk. Um, It sounds like a big order, yet still I do want to try to do this in about 45 minutes because I really love the question and answer period. So my story, as long as I can remember, I've been obsessed with uh, eating and controlling my eating and certain foods. I have early, early memories of being enthralled with certain types of food, um, certain food experiences, eating, uh, 
of getting food, obtaining food, buying certain foods has taken on this excessive preoccupation for me in my life. And what happened over the course of my adolescence, my teenage years, is this obsession to control and enjoy my eating, uh, eating certain specific foods and certain specific quantities, uh, started to get more out of control, more out of control, more out of control. I think I had a couple successful diets. One was when I was maybe 10 or 11. Um, I could make up my mind. I could, you know, try to lose some weight. Um, that control over time uh, started to diminish, where towards the end I couldn't seem to stay on a food plan and eat sanely for a day. Uh, I started in this downward spiral through my 20s and through my 30s. And one of my biggest things that I struggled with in this program was step one. I didn't really understand what step one was. I didn't understand the nature of this illness. I knew there was something wrong with the way I ate, and I knew I had a strange and warped and dysfunctional relationship with food and uh, compulsive eating and throwing up. Even as a 19-year-old a, a college student, I was going to the counseling center trying to figure out why am I eating like this? This doesn't make sense. I'm making myself throw up. Uh, and as a 20-year-old and 21-year-old, I was going to meetings of Overeaters Anonymous. Uh, and I looked as people went around the room and I saw, well, in order to talk, I have to say, I'm Jason, a compulsive eater. So I'd say that and I'd start to share uh, or talk and try to make sense of this thing. Um, but I didn't really get it. And I didn't really understand what a, a true compulsive eater was uh, or you know, Bill in the big book uses a number of different terms to talk about the chronic uh, alcoholic or the chronic compulsive eater or the true compulsive overeater or the real compulsive overeater, um, that there is a distinction that what we are suffering from is a chronic, progressive, fatal illness that only gets worse over time, never better, and there's only one thing that can save us from this fate and that is a, a spiritual awakening. And, I, and this, is, this is me. This is, this is me. I identify with this. Uh, I think one of the, the really simplest and greatest definitions of the first step comes in the chapter We Agnostics. In the very first paragraph, it says, if you, when you honestly want to, you find you cannot stop. And if when you start, you find you have little or no control, you're probably an alcoholic, or in our case, probably a compulsive eater. So there are a number of foods for me that once I start, I cannot seem to control the amount I take in, and I'll eat myself to feeling sick, full, bloated, disgusted, um, you know, fearing from my, my safety as I think my stomach's going to burst, then I'm bent over in the toilet uh, refunding that food. Um, and that was my life for many, many years of just insanity. And over those years, in my 20s and 30s, I would be going to meetings, I'd be trying to figure it out, I'd be trying to work the steps, but not really sincerely. Uh, and around, uh, I was about 37 at the time, I'm 40, 42 now, uh, I went to a conference in Newark, New Jersey that changed my life. Uh, and I saw people like Leah and um, Melanie and all the people, wonderful people in this group, and I looked in their eyes. And I saw something. I saw something in their demeanor, in their countenance, in their way of being, in their way of talking that suggested they were well and they were at peace 
and they had found something that I didn't have. And I came to believe at that time that recovery was possible and uh, a reality. I came to believe that on a deeper level than I've ever, 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 ever came to, to believe it or understand it or even know it um, by, by looking, looking other recovered members in the eye. And I think that very much parallels Bill's experience with Ebby. He saw something different in front of him. One definition of a miracle is seeing that change in, in people, and that's what Bill alluded to and, and, and spoke of in that experience. And I left that conference on Sunday, um, Sunday morning, I was listening to an inspired uh, big book speaker talk about tw step 12 and how we could be uh, a light to people and we could uh, help the next compulsive eater. I felt goosebumps. I felt inspired. And you could hear a pin drop in that auditorium as hundreds and hundreds of people were enraptured and enthralled with that talk. And I said, this is amazing. I must have this. I went home that day and something happened in my mind and I found myself eating compulsively, binging and purging after knowing deep, deep, deep inside myself that recovery was possible. This is where I found myself. And that um, juxtaposition of knowing recovery was possible and eating compulsively uh, at the same time uh, started about a four-day process of binging and purging, which eventually broke something inside my spirit deep down inside that said I absolutely cannot live my life like this. I cannot go forward like this. I absolutely must recover. I'm willing to go to any lengths. That was September 22nd on uh, 2017. So that's my story. That's how I got here. Um, I hope you can relate. Uh, pretty exciting, maybe. Pretty uh, Relatable, hopefully, pretty discouraging, absolutely. Uh, thankfully, there is a solution to my compulsive eating, and on that day, I started to make my way out of the darkness. So I wanted to get into the book, and I think we're a strong meeting because we focus on the literature. We focus on the written word and the original program of action, and I want to dive into this um, spiritual awakening and spiritual experience part. This is what happened to me. I had a spiritual awakening as a result of working through the steps um, starting on September 22nd, 2017. So in the spiritual experience of uh, Appendix 569 in this book, it's a fourth edition, I think it's a study edition, um, it talks about the term spiritual awakening and spiritual experience used explicitly in this book. Upon careful reading shows that personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism has manifested itself among us in many different forms. So this gives us a definition that a spiritual awakening is a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism. One way to sort of think of this intellectually is before recovery, I was one way in my personality and my way of living, my way of being. After recovery, I'm standing on different footing. I'm a different person. So Bill talks about uh, sudden revolutionary changes in this. He says, this is not our impression to say that that's the only way that this could happen. I'm sorry, I'm just kind of scanning and paraphrasing here. It said, some people acquire an immediate and overwhelming God consciousness, followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. But other people, um, what it says, experience educational variety spiritual awakenings. These develop slowly over a period of time. It says, sometimes our friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. 
he finally realizes he has undergone a profound alteration, alteration in his reaction to life that such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few exceptions, our members find they have kept an unsuspected inner resource which they presently identify with our own conception of a power greater than themselves. This spiritual awakening, spiritual experience appendix talks about this revolutionary spiritual change, attitudes and outlooks that we once have have changed. This can be sudden or revolutionary. This can be um, slower. In my case, it was kind of uh, some, somewhere in the middle. I think something happened to me when um, when I decided to go to any lengths, when I decided to work the steps, um, I became very, very teachable. Um, you know, and when I look at the step experience, uh, you know, we can go through steps one through nine in a relatively quick period. Even in Bill's story, he talks about going into the hospital. Um, he talks about his friend coming and becoming acquainted, acquainted with his um, pitfalls and shortcomings and character defects, how he gave that away. He started writing letters to make amends. I think we can start the process of amends very, very quickly, um, even though it may take some time to pay back all the money and find all the people and, uh, and, and make amends. But I think we can go through steps one through nine uh, relatively quick, quickly. And what I'm kind of looking at this in my experience is I spent just years and years and years trying to figure out step one, thinking I had the power, trying to, trying to figure it out, stuck in delusion and illusion until finally step one for me clicked into place. It was a long process, I'd say probably about 17 years from my first meeting to when I fully accepted step one. I went through the process of steps one through nine and I started sponsoring within two to three months. I think that it could have even been shorter uh, and now I'm left with a lifetime of sponsoring, maintaining and growing my spiritual condition, and periodically going back through the steps. So, so what I see is this huge, huge period of time uh, focused on steps 10, 11, and 12, sponsorship for the rest of my life, um, carrying this message, deepening my understanding and effectiveness. And so that's kind of how I wanted to frame this talk. And so now I want to talk about steps one through nine on a day-to-day -day basis. What does that look like? Do I practice step one on a day-to-day -day basis? Step one is a, a, a series of conclusions, uh, an acceptance. Uh, step one talks about we had to concede to our innermost self. I think step one happens uh, on a deep place within ourselves. It's a submission and a surrender. For me, I'm, I find uh, I consider myself very, very lucky step one for me, hit, hit my heart and my soul on such a deep level that I feel like it lives within me uh, on, on such a deep place um, that I just, it's just a part of me. I don't do anything necessarily to deepen my step one experience. Sometimes I'll reflect on step one truths, I'll get into literature. There's not a lot of power behind that. Where the, I do find a lot of power in connecting with my step one experience is talking to another compulsive eater. When I'm sponsoring somebody, when I'm talking to somebody who's stuck in the food uh, and they're trying to overcome it or they're slipping back into it and they have these, um, this obsession of the mind, I connect so deeply with that person. 
and I see that I am that person or I have that within within me. Um, and so step one for me, it's not so much like a daily practice. I don't say to myself, Jason, I'm powerless over food, um, but it lives with inside me. Step two, I think I confront a lot because I pray a lot throughout the day. Um, and sometimes I get caught up in different uh, different sort of motivation, some self-will. I start repeating this mantra of I gotta, I gotta do this, I gotta do that, and I stop praying and I stop thinking about God, and then I have to turn back to God. That's a step three thing as well. Where am I putting my um, energy and intentions? Am I focused on my own selfish needs and desires? And when I turn and pray to God, do I ever, ever have any thoughts like, well, God's not going to help me, or God can't do this? Or do I get caught up in thinking of uh, a Santa Claus God? God, do this for me, when instead I need to remember, okay, God, I'm, I'm, you're the employer, I'm the employee. So step two, I think, can be practiced. I think even in the 12 and 12 bill talks about is a step that was taken in piecemeal, and it's something that he uses a language of, I've practiced this step, and I engage this step, and he takes it um, deeper and deeper as time goes by. And step three, for me, is a big step because I just love this meditation and, and this mantra of, God, I offer myself to you. Like, I'm yours, God. I, that is something that makes sense to me and resonates. And I get off the rails sometimes. I get focused on other things. I start thinking about, you know, making money and, and making my millions and, uh, you know, all different aspirations and all sorts of different things. Uh, and I get pretty caught up. And I, I, I tend to feel restless and I tend to feel irritable. I tend to feel discombobulated when that happens. And I need to turn and turn back to God. And I pray a lot and I say, God, man, I've gone off into selfishness and fear, you know, resentments and self-will, and I'm turning it back to you. You know, I ran a, a, a marathon once, uh, uh, which turned into a half marathon, but I this analogy makes sense to me. It's like I start running, I'm feeling good, I'm excited. You know, a lot of people are cheering, but then you get out on, on the road and get up in the miles and you start thinking, oh, maybe I'm going to veer off this course. Maybe I'm going to stop. Maybe I'm going to take a break. And then I have to recommit. No, Jason, you signed up for this. You, you, you're going to keep going. You get back on track. And that's been my experience is, you know, there's times when I get kind of off track, not necessarily willingly, uh, saying, hey, I'm going to go get off track, but my thinking goes into, uh, my thinking goes into some of that uh, more selfish, uh, self-centered thinking. So, um, so steps one through three, those are how those kind of live for me on a daily basis. Um, step four through nine for me are really encapsulated in step ten. Um, so I want to sort of focus on step ten, and step ten for me is where the rubber kind of meets the road. Um, and I want to talk about um, yeah, some of this practical spirituality, you know, I used to think in terms like grandiose terms. I used to sort of study these different, you know, meditation yogis who went off into the mountains and saw this bright light and became enlightened. Um, but for me, what my spirituality, uh, my spirituality has to be much, much more practical. It has to be much more immediate. Um, you know, Bill talks about the spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live this. He says what we have is a daily reprieve based on the maintenance of our spiritual uh, condition. Uh, in the 12 and 12, he talks about the 12 steps are a group of principles, spiritual in their nature, which if practiced as a way of life, can expel the obsession to drink and enable the sufferer to become happily and usefully whole. Right? So 
he's talking about a group of principles practiced as a way of life. And I've had people ask me questions like, how's your program? And, and I get a little confused at first because to me, the, the 12 steps kind of imbibe and imbue everything I do. Um, you know, I'm asking God in the morning, and we'll get to this with our on awakening, you know, God, am I going to work today? God, do you want me at this job? Do you want me being a teacher here at this company with this school? Um, you know, looking at my calendar, where, where, you know, where do you want me, God? Um, it's, it's, it's imminently practical. You know, for me, if you saw me on a day-to-day -day basis, like my spiritual practice looks like putting the cart back at the grocery store. I know that sounds simple, but I used to live a life where I didn't care. I'd leave the cart around. I don't care if it's going to hit somebody else's car. Um, you know, uh, and it's funny because I, I think part of me wants this certain grandiosity, this certain big spiritual gestures, you know, giving lots of money to charities or doing, you know, Mother Teresa holding the dying uh, and giving them comfort. But it really doesn't look like that on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, you know, it looks like trying to think of others, trying to be of service. When I go to the gym, I try to encourage somebody. I try to help somebody else. I work out in group fitness classes. I make sure I don't leave until everything's picked up. Uh, you know, and again, this is this is my spirituality on a day-to-day -day, day -day life. So uh, it's kind of funny to think about that and where I've come um, uh, from that, uh, from 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 my thinking in my early spiritual life, I thought of these, yeah, a lot of grandiose ideas. Um, and I just wanted to share one more quote with you about prayer, meditation, and inventory. Um, Bill says in the 12 and 12, prayer, meditation, and inventory are all good practices taken separately but logically interwoven. They can create an unshakable foundation for living. So I just want to, as we go through this, I want to think about how everything's related. What really drives my 10-step practices uh, are my is my first step experience and my first step awareness, my acceptance. I am a real compulsive eater. I have this fatal, fatal progressive illness. Um, so yeah. So let's talk about step ten. Um, step ten has uh, saved my uh, saved my butt many times. I remember in my early um, practice, um, I'd call my sponsor and I'd feel like my world was falling in. Uh, you know, falling in around me and I couldn't go on and he'd, he'd calmly say, well, you know, we have a practice for this. And he'd guide me through a step 10. And my sponsor was sponsored by somebody who was sponsored by Harlan. And Harlan, we know on this meeting, really focuses on step 10. And step 10 happens when? As we, uh, as we clean up the wreckage of our past, as we start the inventory process, we start doing step 10s. My sponsor thankfully had me start doing step 10s. As I was completing my step four inventory, he gave me the process, kind of explained the intention, and walked me through that and gave me that. Um, so on page 84, we have some instructions. It says, uh, this, this thought brings us to step 10, which suggests we continue to take personal inventory, continue to set wrong, set right any new mistakes as we go along. We vigorously commence this way of living as we cleaned up the past. We have entered the world of the spirit, our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. This is not an overnight manner. It should continue for a lifetime. Continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. When these crop up, we ask God at once to remove them. We discuss them with someone immediately, and we make amends quickly if we have harmed anybody. 
then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. Love and tolerance of others is our code. Wow, that is an action-packed uh, uh, paragraph. Um, you know, I do step tens uh, multiple times a day. I, I think what, for me, what I want to sort of talk about in my step 10 practice that I find useful is understanding the spirit of this and the uh, intention of it versus the letter of it. Um, you know, we get these specific instructions. We pray. Um, it says to pray at once. Sometimes I pray at the end. I'm doing all the steps, but I'm not necessarily um, uh, doing them in the same order. Uh, for me, there's sometimes when I call people up and I'm like, I have two minutes. Uh, and, and, you know, sometimes I'll take the time to write things down. Now, that can be helpful. The paragraph doesn't say we put pen to paper, so I try not to... Um, I try not to get on people's case if they don't write it down, and I think it's important to consider what it means. When we when you talk about this idea of going to any length, I try to tell people if it's in the big book, that's what you do. If it's not written in the big book, you don't, you're not required to do it. That's what I require my sponsees to do. If, if the big book says it, we do it. If it's not, I'm just making it up and you don't have to do it. So I, I try to encourage my sponsees and people I help and, and myself to be willing to you know, write it if that's helpful, say it if you need to say it, um, do it spontaneously. Um, I'll do 10 steps over text because I'm at work and I just need to get rid of something. I'm resentful at so-and-so. In that case, obviously, I'm writing it. Um, I've done 10 steps on a video messaging app and sent it to people, um, and they can give me feedback on that. Uh, it, step 10 for me is just an absolutely uh, just imminently practical uh, process. I'll call people up and say, I really have to be somewhere in three minutes, and I'm driving in my car, and I say, can I do a three-minute 10-step? <laughs> um, I've gotten pretty good at this. I can do my 10 steps pretty quickly, and most people give me the feedback that they're very thorough. Um, but I need to be really, really aware of this perfectionism that I have. Um, I don't know if you can relate, I have some perfectionism, and uh, I call it like a Superman complex. You know, sometimes I, you know, say I, I quit playing God. It's like, yeah, I, I don't want to be God. God's running the show, but I sure want to be, you know, a demigod or, you know, somewhere in between, like Superman. Um, I want to be perfect. I want to write. As part of me will start to think I should write down every single ten step. I should make sure, you know. Um, I take something from my 10th step and I add it to my prayer list. And the reality of this is, and, and, and being human for me, is that it's just kind of messy sometimes. It's just kind of, um, there's some gray areas in terms of how this comes out. Um, sometimes I just have to say, like, I'm being selfish. I don't like this. I want to throw an adult temper tantrum and, and scream on the ground. And I'll take a deep breath. And I'll say, I just need to pray right now. Now, I didn't identify all the character defects. I didn't identify uh, the self-reliance. I didn't say the fear prayer, but maybe there's fear in there. Um, I have to start to allow myself to uh, do a good enough program. And good enough for me is, uh, is measured from a very pragmatic standpoint of, am I maintaining my abstinence and recovery and maintaining that spiritual awakening that I talked about earlier in this. You know, am I maintaining this personality change? 
sufficient to bring about recovery and maintain recovery. So that's the point of this 10th step is we're growing, we're, we're deepening, we're maintaining, right? You have to maintain in order to grow. Main, maintenance can be a springboard for growth. Um, so that's kind of what I'm doing. Uh, and since I am talking about uh, practicalities, I want to share uh, uh, I want to share an actual 10 step. So um, I wrote this one out, and I'm going to just kind of share it because um, I want people to really see it. I want people to be able to picture. So the resentment was at traveling, not having enough, um, not having access to simple things like a washcloth, a towel, measuring cup. I believe I was searching around my mom's home at the time. Of this, uh, trying to find a towel. <laughs> uh, my reliance, I put my reliances on the material world, things, things not being in place, not, not being in order, my routines. The selfishness is a certain pride. I didn't want to ask for help. I didn't want to ask for things. Um, the selfishness was thinking about getting my own needs met, not of how to be of service to others. The fear was about getting my needs met, being heard, um, forgetting things, losing things, and then this fear that uh, I can't get stuff done. I'm not feeling in the flow. Life is going to stink. I don't want to be here. Um, the dishonesty is just to trust on finite people, finite things, that these people will meet my needs. And that if I meet my needs uh, and can get my towel and my washcloth, and everything will be happy. Uh, everything will be good, and I will be happy. Um, saying things to myself like I don't want to be here when I actually do want to be there visiting my mom. So my prayer in this was, God, forgive me. God, direct my thinking. That's all I put. I didn't, I didn't do any set prayers. This is all I have written down. And I think there's an important place here to pause and ask for an intuitive thought or decision or just open a space to let that come. Uh, and what came to me um, is to pause when agitated or doubtful and help my mom with the cabinet that she's been asking me to help her with. So me living the spiritual life, uh, this is a couple, uh, about a month ago, me living my spiritual life was standing on a step stool in my mom's kitchen uh, fixing the cabinet <laughs> because she asked me to, and that's being helpful, right? So the last, uh, the last um, uh, sentence here says, we res or the, the, towards the end of the paragraph, it says, we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. So when, when I finish this 10th step, it's about getting out of my own way um, and um, trying to be of service to somebody else. That doesn't necessarily mean for me, somebody in program. Um, I, and again, I like to look at these instructions and I like to sort of see what they really mean. I like to take them in context, right? It says we discuss them with somebody at once. It doesn't say we discuss them with a sponsor or somebody in program. Um, so I played around with this, and you know, I'll, uh, a good example is I'll be at work and I'll I'll start thinking like, you know, we'll get our uh, I'm a teacher, so we'll have uh, people who are in positions of power and they'll make decisions and they'll handle things, and and I will not agree with the way they do things, and I'll get caught up in some self righteous judgment, um, and then I have to pause and I have to notice. I'm getting caught up in judgment, a resentment. I'm thinking I know better. It's my pride. I have to take a deep breath. Now I'm 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 in school, right? I'm in work. I'm taking care of people with special needs. So what do I do? We share this with somebody at once. Now I have a great relationship with my assistant teacher, so I'll look over at him and I'll say, 
you know, part of me thinks that, uh, you know, admin should have handled that differently, but I can tell you for sure, I don't know if I would have done it any better if I was in their place. And guess what? I don't want to be down there in that office. I don't think I'd be cut out for that job. I don't think I could do it any better. Um, and I'll start to laugh at myself because I'm ridiculous. I, uh, my thinking is ridiculous. Uh, and Tariq will laugh at me or laugh with me and I'll move on. Now, could I share that with my sponsor? Yes. Uh, the way my brain works though, I manufacture resentments and I get caught up in selfishness all day, uh, every day. On some level, I'm constantly redirecting myself. I'm constantly taking this, uh, this instruction to look and watch for these things seriously and to turn towards God and to turn towards a higher power. I'm constantly taking that into consideration. Uh, and if I wrote down every resentment and shared it with my sponsor, my sponsor would be um, pretty busy. So, so practicality for me means um, asking, does this need to be shared with somebody? Can I take a deep breath? Can I share it with my assistant teacher? Can I move on? And of course, some things I don't share with my assistant teacher, and I take a deep breath and I move on. Uh, at work, it's funny because that's, this is one of the places where I think most practically my spirituality comes into place. I run to the bathroom and I notice, let me pray. And I know for me, uh, my experience is I feel a little bit more connected and a little bit more engaged in my prayers if I kneel down. So um, I try to kneel. I do like a Tim Tebow, if you guys know, um, the football player who'd kneel on one knee before he goes on the field. I do my Tim, Tim Tebow kneel. Um, and then I, I get up, I, you know, I, I sound like an old man, achy, and, and, and make some funny noises because my knees hurt. Even though I'm only 42, I still feel like an old man. And I, I say, God, okay, God, I'm giving my life to you, like every part of it, like walking back into that room to serve your kids, to help, to be of service, to get out of myself. And I believe God wants me there in that job. You know, that's what I ask. That's how I live my life according to spiritual terms. It's not always going to a meeting or sponsoring a newcomer. It's getting up and going to work um, because that's that's on my agenda, and I think that's what's, what I'm being called to do. And it's funny because I'll walk back into that classroom and I'll start to notice uh, within about 2.4 seconds, I'll notice six things not going right. And when I say going right, I mean according to my script and, and according to how I think things should be happening. And I'll look around and I'll be like, ah, ah, ah. And I'll have to take a deep breath. And I'll have to pause and I'll say, okay, guys, what's happening? Can I help? <laughs> and then I might hear from my staff, oh, this person did that and we're trying to manage this and it starts to make sense. Okay, how can I help? Um, asking questions repeatedly, uh, like how can I help? How can I be of service? How can I be useful? Uh, I think it's very, very important. Um, and step 11, let's get into step 11. Step 11 starts with, um, uh, let, me, let me start going through here. The rest of step 10 starts talking about um, some of these intentions, some of these ideas, sanity will have returned. Um, it talks about some promises. Um, it says here on page 85, the first full paragraph, it's easy to let up on the spiritual program of action rest on our laurels. If we do, we're headed for trouble. It says, every day is a day we must carry the vision of God's will into all of our activities. How can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. These are thoughts which must go with us constantly. Now, I'll get to the end of the day sometimes, 
and I'll start to look at an inventory and I'll start to consider how was my day and I'll say, did this thought go with me constantly? And I'll be embarrassed to say, I don't know if I was thinking of that at all. Um, so lately I've been setting uh, little timers and when that timer goes off, I'll take a deep breath and I'll start to remind myself I'm no longer running the show or I'll say a simple prayer that I will not be done or I'll ask a simple question, how can I be helpful? How can I be helpful? So on the bottom of page 85, it talks about we, we develop a God consciousness, a, a vital sixth sense. And I think this, is a, this vital sixth sense is that sense of pausing and praying, asking for an intuitive thought or decision. And, and that's really our, our, our internal guidance system, our God system. Uh, I've heard a funny acronym, the God positioning system. That's from deep down within us, pausing, getting a sense of our intuition. And I think that guides me on a day-to-day -day basis of, do I need to do a 10-step where I call a person in program? Do I need to put pen to paper? Do I need to take a bathroom break and, and do the Tim Tebow prayer on one knee? That's what guides my thinking. Do I need to go to a meeting or do I need to do something else? Um, that's, that's my barometer. Uh, that's what kind of gives me my sense of right and wrong. Step 11, um, suggest prayer meditation. Um, we have, you know, two things here. We have this sort of, you know, uh, alone, uh, explicit, um, practical practices. And then we have the practices we carry with us as we walk out the door. Um, I think we sometimes, I've created this false dichotomy of, you know, how much time, I should spend more time in meditation. Uh, no, I should spend more time in 10 steps. No, I should you know, devote myself to my work and serving others in the world. Um, but I think that's a false dichotomy. And I heard a, a saying once about, you know, when a person was asked, should I, you know, pray more and go into like the silence or should I go out and serve others? And the person said, you know, that's like being asked if I should inhale or exhale. And what I'm, I'm getting at is these processes, these practices, you know, where I'm alone in the morning, praying silently versus when I'm going out in the world helping people, when I'm doing spot check inventories, when I'm checking my thinking, when I'm asking people, how can I help you? Can I do something considerate for others? Those are two sides of the same, they're, they're, they're different sides of the same coin. They're related, um, but they're not, they're not in um, conflict with each other for me. It's the same thing about like, self-care, should I take care of myself or should I take care of others? It's like, yeah, should I inhale or should I exhale? Like, you know, did Mother Teresa, you know, run to the bathroom and eat her lunch so she could go serve the poor? I mean, as I try to think of it like that, um, and that always kind of makes me laugh. Um, but step 11 suggests, I hope you're laughing a little bit too because uh, that's a funny metaphor. Step 11 suggests for our meditation. It says we shouldn't be shy on this. Step 11, uh, and I think like the 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 definition of meditation that um, uh, we need to consider and what Bill talks about is, is a certain thoughtful, directed, focused um, thinking. Uh, it's not necessarily counting your breaths and contemplating your navel. I think that definition of meditation may be developed later on, but this book was written in the, in the uh, 30s, uh, and I think meditation talked about thinking uh, and thinking in a constructive way. 
So when Bill talks about meditation, this always seemed to confuse me. He says, when we retire at night, we constructively review our day, and it gives us a series of questions. And then it, it gives us some intention. It says, be careful not to drift into worry, remorse, or morbid reflection. Um, so it gives us some intentions, some ideas, and then it gives us a prayer. After making our review, we ask. Many times the big book says we ask. It's saying we pray. We ask God's forgiveness and inquire what corrective measures should be taken. So it gives us these questions, and it says we're sort of meditating on our day. And I know for me, looking back at my day as a whole is a different perspective than when I'm in it. And, and I think we could kind of picture that, like when we're in an intense experience, um, you know, like we, you know, I've witnessed like a car accident before, you become hyper-focused, then you step back from that experience, and certain things stick out, certain things look different. So we're looking at our behavior, we're shining that light of uh, self-awareness on our behavior from a more, uh, a position of stepping back and looking at the day as a whole versus being in the midst of it. So Bill um, goes through and he, and he asks a bunch of questions. And again, since we're uh, being, uh, talking about a practical experience, I'm going to share some very practical things that I do. Uh, and I'm going to share one of my uh, 11th step nightly reviews. Uh, and I do mine over email. Um, again, it doesn't say you have to write it down. It just says we consider these questions. If you can do this in your head, if you can get quiet and meditate, that's good. If you like putting pen to paper, um, like a literal pen, I use email, and I send it to a bunch of people, uh, four or five different people. Um, I start with gratitude. That's not a part of those questions. That's something I do. It's very related to that question, the last question, what are we packing into the stream of life? Um, so I'll share a bunch of gratitude. Grateful for my fiance Rachel. You know, appreciate appreciative for her. She did my dishes. I, I appreciate the the heck out of my life. And I start this with appreciation because I know that makes this practice much better for me, that I wanna do it, that I wanna celebrate. Um, so it's super exciting to sit down to this practice. Um, I check in about my food, if there's anything to report, um, and that again is to resentments. And here I'm talking about resentments, technology, trying to do too much, uh, being annoyed, technology not working right, um, artificial intelligence, <laughs> trying to anticipate my needs, intrusive, um, resentment at an insurance company, not filling a, a prescription I needed. Um, so I go through what are these resentments, the pharmacy not giving the right information, um, selfishness, um, people not following my script, um, uh, my, my literal script, my prescription in this case uh, came up, um, wanting, other, wanting people to be different, I'm having somebody work on my house, wanting them to be faster, um, selfishness is taking an easy day at work, like not focusing as much on my students, um, dishonesty, expectations of myself, um, not being clear with people what I need and what I want. Uh, dishonest does uh, uh, setting a, a goal that I don't know if I'm going to be able to, to meet. Um, kind of that Superman complex. I want to do it all. Um, fear. Um, financial fear is running out of money. I'm renovating a home. Um, losing track of things. Maybe fear of having too much on my plate. Um, fear, of, fear of getting a bad grade in my uh, graduate course. Uh, which I had to say I have a B plus, <laughs> so I'm la laughing at myself. That's that perfectionism. 
um, since you're about doing a special edition. So this was done a couple days ago. Apology owed. I said maybe for interrupting uh, Rachel, my fiance, a bit during dinner. Um, something to be discussed with someone at once. No, kind and loving towards all. Um, some self-recrimination, inner judgments, which may come across as being cold or distant. And that cold and distance might have been towards Rachel as well. What could I have done better? Try to focus on work at work. Engage my students. Do a tenth step upon leaving uh, my home that I'm renovating and do it right away. I kind of postponed that. Thinking of what I could pack up, up pack in the stream. I played ice hockey in the morning. I got to work. I went to the renovation house. I asked people for help. And then I do this prayer. God, forgive my shortcomings. Guide and direct my thinking. Show me the truth. Thy will not mine be done. And show me corrective measures. And I got the corrective measures to contact some people that I needed to communicate responsibly to and call my sponsor. I don't think I called my sponsor, so uh, that's a fail. Um, but again, I just want to I just want to sort of reiterate: this is imminently practical. You know, it's just this is me. This is my psyche. This is my ego. These are my character defects. Um, this is the these are them um, black and white. These are them shared. I share this with my fiance actually. She's in program. Um, that's a great thing to be able to do. It's a little vulnerable, and you know sometimes we, it gives us uh, topics to discuss uh, as we're doing that. Um, but this is step 11. Step 11 talks about a nightly review, and it talks about this uh, daily um, morning practice. And that morning practice talks about on awakening, we consider the 24 hours ahead. Um, so for me, when I wake up, I immediately turn on a bunch of lights, I drink some water. This is my daily routine, and we're coming up on about 45 minutes, and I do want to stop soon and get into the um, questions and answers because I, I, I like the, the back and forth. So when my alarm goes off at 4 a.m. most mornings, I'm an early, early riser. I have uh, lights, bright lights that I put on because that helps me wake up. I drink some water and I put on a certain pair of headphones and I do a meditation, like a sound meditation that's my cue to say, Jason, you're meditating now. Um, I've studied some books on habits. They're very useful. If you look them up, you can find them and it helps you understand how to form these habits. So I have some really great habits. Uh, they're not 100%, but I meditate first thing. For me, there's such a beautiful, beautiful um, period of quietness and a period of time when uh, I move from a sleeping state to an awake state. Um, once I start moving, it's hard for me to slow down and stop. I have to sometimes set a timer and be like, Jason, you're going to get on your knees and pray for five minutes, and you won't get up until this timer stops because I'm a, 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 a movement-oriented person. Um, and that's okay. I don't meditate for a long time, about 15 minutes, um, and, I, and, I, and I get with God. Um, I... Um, so first thing I do is silence, and I do a mantra sort of around the third step. God, I'm, I'm offering this day to you. I might notice if there's any negativity or any negative thinking, if I have to sort of take a deep breath and let that go. Um, but I turn my life to God. I give the day to God. I do read from the big book, and I'll read that um, on awakening. When it says we consider our plans for the day, I, I look at... Um, my, my Google calendar, and I look, and I say, what do I have to do today, and, and what's my day look like, and where do I feel drawn and inspired. 
Um, I may write my morning. Uh, I may write my nightly review in the morning. Um, I try to do it at night, but if I do it in the morning, um, I'll do it uh, next. Or actually, I'll do some prayer. And again, my prayer tries to be linked. It tries to be linked with uh, my ten steps. And um, you know, like Bill said, talked talked about linking ten steps with uh, you know self awareness and prayer and meditation are linked together. You know, so I'll do 10 steps uh, on technology a lot of times. It's funny, you heard that in my review. Um, I'll get resentful when my phone's not working right and I can't do things how I want. Um, and I literally have a prayer on my prayer document that I'll pull up and read in the mornings and it says, may I put technology in its proper place? Realize technology is not the problem, but my mind and my character defects. So God, please remove these character defects. And I put a trademark, uh, that's a Rachel T. Copyright 2021, and I said, it's a blessing when technology doesn't work right because it helps me have one less thing to worship. Now that prayer comes from 10 steps that I've done repeatedly resenting uh, certain technological devices that aren't living up to my expectations. I really struggle <laughs> with that love-hate relationship. And so this sets my mind of an intention to worship God and not worship, you know, the new 14C mega plus, you know, super fast uh, processor uh, uh, gizmo gadget, you know, thing that's coming out. Because I'm capable of that. I can turn towards, um, I heard this definition of worship, which is uh, what do we routinely uh, and repeatedly and perhaps obsessively turn our thoughts energy and actions towards on a daily basis, you know, and sometimes I'm looking at, you know, Bank of America, you know, and my retirement funds three, four times a day, and I'm not praying multiple times a day. So what am I worshiping? Possibly money on that day. I have to do some inventory. I have to turn towards God and not towards, you know, the money and the numbers. Um, it's, it's, so it's very, very practical. So this step 11 goes through setting these intentions to pause when agitated or doubtful, to ask for the right thought or action. I think this is where we get that slogan, do the next right thing. But I also want us to re realize in context, this is at step 11. Pause, we relax and take it easy. We ask for the right, next right thought or action. I used to hear slogans and, and do the next right thing and I'd start pounding that into my brain. Do the next right thing, do the next right thing, do the next right thing. And I'd stumble and I'd falter and I'd fall. And I think we need to look at some of these phrases in context. And it, it, this is a step 11 of practice, which means if you've done steps one through nine and you've made a start on your amends or you're in the process of making your amends, you can effectively pause when agitated or doubtful and gain access to an intuitive thought or a decision that can guide and direct your thinking and ultimately your life. Um, so, so I set these intentions. I try to pause when agitated or doubtful. Um, one time I was doing this recently, and I'll kind of I'll try to wrap up here and 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 think of any uh, final thoughts before we jump to some questions. Um, I was at a large uh, home improvement store, you know, like 77 aisles of anything you could ever want, and I was having a little bit of a mental breakdown because I couldn't find. Believe it or not, I don't know if you can relate to this. I could not find the thing that I needed or wanted in that store. 
and I started to get confused, and I had gone actually early before work. I was going to have to abort this mission. Mission. I was agitated. I was doubtful. I had this. I had to pause. I think I actually stopped um, holding onto this cart, and I had to take some deep breaths. I'm agitated. I'm doubtful. I don't like the way this is going. God, please help me. And I got the thought. I just need to go. I just need to go. Like this is not. I'm not going to get the things I need. And then a part of me said, just leave this cart here. Someone will come get it. Someone will. And then I had to be like, something about that didn't feel right, you know. And I did have something in my cart, and I and some voice said, go all the way over to the other side of the store, put that put that thing back <laughs> that you're not getting, bring your cart all the way back to where the carts are, and leave. And and again, that's my inner guidance system, and and that's the spirituality that's imminently imminently practical um you know i wanted to go when i was in my 20s i admired you know people who went up into the mountains and saw saw the bright light and and you know had the had the enlightenment experience but today my spirituality uh is about trying to be thoughtful and considerate trying to do this continued inventory prayer and meditation and um, I think step 12, practical advice about step 12 would have to be another um, uh, special edition. I'll throw it out as a topic for uh, possible future special editions, practically speaking, how do we sponsor people. Um, but you know, steps one through nine and continuing to keep our house in order, um, 10 and 11, um, that creates that foundation for step 12. And I'll tell you, I don't, when I feel most connected to my higher power is when I'm working with another compulsive eater. That's the thing that turns that dimmer switch of power and the presence of God up in me more than anything else, more than any 10 steps, more than any uh, morning mantras or quiet times. They all fit. They all have their place. And again, using that metaphor of inhale, exhale, they're inhale, one's an inhale, one's an exhale. I, I get my own house in order, like Bill Wilson suggests, so that I can give to others, see to it that our own house is in order, and then we can we can give to others. Um, so I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna wrap up there and I'd love to open it up to questions and, and try to answer people's questions. And uh, yeah, that's where I'm at. Thank you so much, Jason Kay. That was very, very inspiring. And where I was sitting, my viewpoint, practical spirituality came through very, very loud. You are clearly, clearly concerned with the essence of actually doing and using rather than spinning around in theory and ideas. And it was just simply able, I was able to simply just follow along, you know, just being so human about it you know, reaching in, reaching out, kind of looking at different things. It was very, very helpful, very, very useful. Thanks, Jason, for um, presenting today. I'm going to be just thrilled to be able to have that part of our archives for folks, just to keep it simple. Yeah, thank but you so much. Purposeful. Yeah, you're welcome. Absolutely. Thank you. So we're going to ask Jason for his contact information at the conclusion of this meeting. So stay tuned for that. Have pen and paper handy. And you'll you'll be able to hear for the, when that happens. The share ID number for today, Sunday, September 25th, 2022, is 
19,447. 19,447. So you can go back and continue to add to those bullet points that Jason so clearly outlined today. It was very, very clear, very chronological. So now the lines are open for questions. If you have a question for Jason, please unmute your line by pressing star one on your phone keypad. Offer your first name, the first letter of your last name, and then perhaps your state. And once you've asked your question, immediately press star one again to remute your line. Thank you so much. Who would like to ask Jason a question this morning? Ken W.H. from Boston. Ken W.H. I got Katie from Boston. And I, I didn't get the next one. Kristen Andrea. I have a Kristen, is that what I have? R? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Pete B. Pete B. Matt J F. Matt J F. Wendy B. Best B. Did I hear Beth like B E T H? B E S S. B E S S. Best H. B. <laughs> Best B. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Roxanne Anyone Ann. else in this beautiful Russ? Hey, Russ, Roxanne. Gotcha. Rachel P. And Rachel P. Great lineup. Let's go with that. That probably will take us Mary to the end Ann and beyond. F. So, Mary Ann. Okay. Hey, Mary Ann, and, and uh, a couple of you, we may not get to you if we, since we close at the top of the hour, but we'll do our level best, starting with Ken WH. And Katie G, you'll follow. Hey, Ken. Your question, please. Thank you. Thank you, Melanie. Uh, Jason, thank you for being there two and a half years ago when I needed someone like you in my life, and I appreciate that so much. Question. You talked a lot about Step 10, 11 and 12, and the ongoing uh, living in recovery. Uh, how many Step 4s do you imagine doing in the next five years? Thanks, Ken. Uh, great question. And, and Ken and I have a history. I sponsored him through the steps. And then I turned around and asked him to sponsor me through the steps recently. So Bill um, says, you know, some of us go in yearly for yearly house cleanings. Bill suggests sometimes we take a day apart and we just reflect and meditate. Um, and also I heard Matt, uh, Matt JF in the lineup. I sponsored him and then asked him to take me through the steps. So Matt and I did a fourth step and a full walk through the steps uh, over the COVID pandemic. Um, I wrote a big fourth step that was immensely helpful um, to do that fourth step. And um, Ken is currently walking me through. I think ideally it'd be a yearly thing. Um, I think in practice for me, it looks like I'm shooting for about three, four steps, including my original in five years. Um, again, I write a lot of inventory on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, I stay pretty current, so do I need four steps every year? Uh, maybe. I'm still staying recovered. Um, so I think we have to sort of notice our inner voice and notice do we need a refresh. Um, and I, I felt like I did need that refresh pretty recently um, with you, Ken, so that's why I asked you um, to go through. So uh, we'll, keep, we'll keep plugging along. Thanks so much for the question. Katie G, your question, please, and then we're going to follow that with uh, Kirsten. Hey, good morning, Katie G, Recovered. Hey, Jason, so great to hear you. Thank you for your powerful message. My question is, and I get this a lot, um, I did a step 10, 
and I don't feel better. I'm wondering, would love to hear what your response is to this. Thank you. Thanks so much, Katie. And I just get a big smile on my face hearing your voice and uh, feel such a, yeah, I, I, I appreciate you so much. Um, I sometimes, I struggle with this because from a very selfish perspective in most of my life, I judged how I was doing on how I felt. And I put an, an, an excessive uh, focus and attention on feeling better and feeling good. I think that might be one of the creeds of addicts. Our motto is, what's going to make me feel better and how can I get what I want when I want it? Um, so I think a focus on feelings in that sense can be a little um, problematic. Now, that being said, when I'm caught up in selfishness, resentment, fear, and dishonesty, I feel troubled. I don't feel good. When I um, speak to another compulsive eater, when I pray and ask God to remove those defects of character in the presence of another person who's reverently holding space, witnessing my work, I tend to feel a certain amount of peace and presence flow in, and I tend to feel better. I don't think that should be our barometer for 10 steps um, because I think we also have to consider um, corrective measures, we need to take action, we need to bring what comes out of our 10th steps into um, practice. Um, I don't see it in the instructions like, you, sh you know, you're going to feel better after your 10th steps. We do hear in the fifth step that after we share our fifth step with somebody, we're going to feel more at ease, we're going to be able to look at the world in, the, in their eyes. So I think there's a certain amount of spiritual um, spiritual rightness that we can achieve. Uh, and if I go into 10 steps trying to feel better, like, I just want to feel better, I want to get out of this pain, that's a very selfish motive. And that, and, I've, and I've, I think I've encountered people doing that, and you can kind of get a sense that they're just trying to release the pain, they're just trying to get out of the pain, they're not necessarily looking deeply, deeply at the character defects and not deeply looking at how can I make it right, including if there is corrective measures. I hope that helps, Katie. I'd love to talk more. If you have more, more thoughts, you can call me. Thank you so much, Katie G. Next up is Kristen R., followed by Pete B. Hi, Kristen. Your question. Hi. Hi. Um, thanks so much for your lead, Jason. It was really helpful. My name is Kristen R. I live in Virginia. Um, so here's my question. I have been relapsing over the last two years and um, feeling very frustrated. I've been through the steps several times, um, get all the way to sponsoring, and then I relapse again. And um, I, I'm now not sponsoring anybody. I'm back at step zero and just wondering what to do next. Um, I, I, I feel like I've... Um, tried everything and nothing is working. So I just was wondering what you would say to a person like me. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. And I, I know that can be a vulnerable place to be, um, to, to, to admit and to say, yeah, I'm struggling. I'm in relapse. I went through various forms of abstinence and relapse for many, many, many years. Um, and, and the truth of the matter is I, I don't know. You know. I don't know exactly what you might need. Um, I try to communicate with people like that in a, a compassionate and respectful way. I try to share my experience on step one. I, I drive people back to step one um, consistently and repeatedly. 
uh, because I think that's the root of once step one can really fully um, fall into place on a deep, deep level. Um, people, um, you know, religiously and, and um, you know, just very much embrace this spiritual way of life um, at a very deep level. So I would love to talk with you individually and, and, and ask you more questions. You know, the big book deals with some people who relapsed by sitting the person down, discussing with that person. They talk about that with um, Jim, the whiskey and the milk guy, and more about alcoholism. They say, you know, he relapsed multiple times in quick succession. We sat him down. We talked with him. We tried to just go through what happened. He experienced a mental blank spot, but it appeared as if he hadn't committed to fully working the steps. So, but does that, what does that tell us? What do we learn from that? I, I don't know, right? Because um, it appears as if you've tried to engage the rest of the program. So I would talk uh, individually. Feel free to take my number and call me, and, and hopefully my response helps somewhat. Melanie, we can't hear you if you're jumping in. Oh, thank you so much. I am. Thanks so much, Ben, for the last question that just came through. It's time for Pete B's question, please, and then we'll follow that with Matt Jair. Thank you, Melanie, for taking the meeting. Appreciate your service. Jason, thanks so much for your presentation. It was really well thought out and articulate and really got a lot out of it. I'm, I'm, you, you mentioned a lot in, in your Step 10 practice about your thoughts and your feelings. Can you explain how my thoughts and feelings can harm somebody else other than me? Yeah, thank you so much, Pete B. My neighbor uh, down down 476 here in uh, Pennsylvania. Um, good to hear from you. Yeah, thoughts and feelings. Yeah, my thought life. So, yeah, that's a good question. So my fears, my thoughts, my selfishness. Um, you know, I shared in my inventory how I had a day at work where I was focused on not as engaged as possible. So if I'm ignoring my students, and they're not getting the attention they need. They might have a behavior. They might act out. Um, I'm not supporting my staff. So my staff is over there working with my students, feeling like, oh, Jason's lost in his own world. He's not helping. Um, you know, my other inventory, I said, do I owe an apology possibly for Rachel interrupting her dinner? You know, she's sitting on the couch eating her dinner, and I, I love to be playful and poke her and, you know, tickle her, and she makes the funniest noises. It's so adorable um, that I want to keep doing it, but she's trying to eat her dinner, right? It's, it's just selfishness. It's like I'm the one trying to get my needs for this just a fun and playful stimulation met at, at her expense. You know, she's worried about spilling stuff on the couch and, you know, she laughed at first, but after, you know, I crossed the line, I have to apologize to her. So these resentment thoughts, they cut us off from the sunlight of the spirit. You know, when I'm cut off from the sunlight of the spirit, you know, I don't want to let that person in in traffic. They're, you know, I want to, um, you know, I might spend money impulsively, right? So, you know, and then Rachel and I are engaged, but our budget is it's, it's interdependent, right? So I'm spending money. Uh, buying things. Um, so yeah, so I think for me, our conduct, our actions are closely related to our spiritual condition and our thinking and our focus of our thoughts um, that drive our actions. So I hope that helps. It's a, it's a good question. You got me thinking there, Pete. Thank you. Thank you, Pete B, for your question. Matt JF, you're up next with your question and followed by Wendy B. 
Thanks, Melanie, and thank you, Jason, for that special edition. I listened live, and I'll be listening again on the recording. Um, and thank you for sponsoring me through the steps the first time. Uh, so my question is, have you found that you have had to sort of recalibrate intentionally or have you unintentionally recalibrated how you, like what represents a sufficient level of restless, irritable, and discontent for you to need to do a 10th step? Do you still, like, do you get as upset as you used to or do you get less upset? And how do you, how do you, yeah, how do you process that and make that part of your program? Yeah, Matt. Um, yeah, thank you so much. And yes, uh, uh, just yeah, Matt. I sponsored Matt through the steps, and he sponsored me back. And I swear I didn't uh, feed him questions to feed back to me, uh, so I could get the questions I wanted. I promise I didn't do that. Um, <laughs> I think it's a great question. We, um, I go through cycles, right? As much as I want my recovery to look a certain way. As much as I think a recovered life should be happy, joyous, and free, and I should do, you know, three to five tenths steps a day, you know, five to seven if things are difficult, you know, seven to nine if I didn't get enough sleep, it never, ever works like that. I get extremely upset sometimes and frustrated, and just I don't do a tenth step and uh, or I don't do it right away, and I – and somehow my thinking and my processing and my inner prayer life, some things dissipate. And then I get, the next day I get fired up. I, I want to do as many 10 steps as possible. I don't know where it comes from, why I had that inspiration thought that day. I stub my toe and I'm calling somebody up doing a 10 steps. I'm resentful at myself. I stub my darn toe. Um, <laughs> I think it's important. I think to do a small 10 steps reveals bigger patterns, you know, bigger ideas that we can delve into. I don't think there's a 10 step too small to do because they're so enlightening and instructive. Um, I've gone through um, like the death of my father and I just felt so spiritually connected, helping my family, helping my mom, being present, that I didn't do ten, a 10 step for two days because I felt so open and so spiritually connected and so present. Um, so that sort of um, question, when do I do the 10th step versus when do I process it internally is, um, is a great question. And I don't know, and, I, and Bill doesn't address it in the literature specifically, and I think we, ha we all have to kind of find our own way for that. And I would suggest, and I'll end with this to this question, try doing 10 steps for any little thing and try doing 10 steps throughout your day and, and really embrace the practice and then try lowering that bar and just see what your experience is like. And, and as always, ask God for an inspiration, intuitive thought or decision. God, should I do a 10 step? Should I call somebody up? Should I, you know, write about it, let it go? Should I move on? Thanks. I hope that helps, Matt. Thank you so much, Matt J.F. for the question. Wendy B., your question comes up now, then Best B will follow you. Good morning, Wendy B. Good morning, this is Wendy B in Arizona. So um, you made a statement saying in your 10th step, you know, in your striving to do it perfect, um, you would add like insights, insights you've gleaned to your prayer list or, or things that you're trying yep. to improve on. And, um, you know, and I can really relate to that, you know, want to have um, – perfect follow through, you know, and for me, I'm almost trying to self will 
um, to apply everything and follow through on my ideals. So um, <clears throat> where do you find your, your balance of, of working a thorough program, you know, like you said, or, or like you said, accept it as good enough, you know, and letting God be in control of my growth and my progress? So <clears throat> that's my question. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, great question. It sounds like your brain uh, works like my brain in some ways, and uh, I really enjoyed hearing your question. Um, yeah, I can do this program because I, I see it as a prescription and I see a set of rules, and there's a part of me that's a rule follower and that's going to say, okay, I'm going to do this. Uh, I'm angry, so I need to do a 10-step, and I want to call my sponsor so he'll give me um, you know, praise, and he'll say, great job, and this is just what I'm supposed to do and I'm doing it as a rote um, script. And, I, and sometimes there is a self-will and self-propulsion, a sense of perfectionism. I need to try to do my program based on truth and my truth in the moment. And when I do the program based on the truth that I'm a compulsive eater, I'm suffering from this illness, today is the day that I want to carry the, the vision of God's will into all my activities. And I sit with that, and I see that's my truth. I, am, I feel that deep inside me. You know, my soul and my spirit says yes to that. I have given my life over to God. The actions come naturally and organically. I start to feel a sense of peace and, peace, peace and ease. Uh, peace and ease as I go about my day, and I can catch that intuitive thought and decision, and that, that intuition, our conscience, helps us, to, um, helps us to see when we're finding that balance. If I'm going on self-will, there's going to be a certain amount of angst and anxiousness and fear, and I'm going to be doing this from a, a different place. And so it's about um, an attunement to that inner guidance system and noticing Noticing those character defects of self-will, pride, like, you know, do I want to do 10 steps with certain people because I admire them and just want to get close to them? Um, or am I willing to do it with, you know, Joe Schmo from, you know, wherever? Uh, yeah, I hope that helps. I hope that was clear. Thank you so much, Wendy B., for your question. Next question is Beth B., followed by Rafan. Hi, Beth. Hi. Uh, thanks so much, Jason. This is a step one question. Um, I've been in LA for a long time, and I've been listening to Vision for you. Uh, I have, I do relate to just eating so much that you feel sick, but I haven't eaten, I haven't binged in two years, and I would say in the last seven to eight months, uh, I don't eat over my feelings anymore, but occasionally, uh, I'll have a piece of flour or some chocolate, um, but I don't binge on it. So how do you know, to, how did you know to the nth degree that you had accepted your powerlessness over food? Was it a, by stages or you had just hit a brick wall? Yeah, thank you so much. And, uh, and, and I'd love possibly to, to invite you to call me personally, because I think we can go into your experience and some of the roadblocks maybe you're experiencing. Um, okay. For me, yeah, for me, practically speaking, though, to answer your question, step one, 
uh, five years ago for me hit me on a deep, deep level. Um, some ways that we know step one is deep within us is we watch our actions. You know, and this is how I see in sponsees, like did step one fully take and are they fully committed to, to, to doing this? Are they packing their food and weighing and measuring if they need to? Um, I talk to people and they say, well, I broke my abstinence and I ate a banana. I said, okay, so let's look about look at this. What happened when you ate the banana? I said, nothing. I just felt disgusted with myself and I don't really like bananas. Okay, why'd you eat the banana? I ran out of fruit. Okay, so why are bananas on your list? Like, there's a lot of practical things you can go over. Um, but I'm I'm hearing you say you're eating certain foods and you're not binging, and those some of those foods, if I eat a single you know little bit of it, I'm binging. Like I'm going off the rails. So you you want to look at I, I would, if I talk with you individually, if you give me a call, we'll talk about your abstinence definitions, your abstinence list, what it looks like when you eat those foods, what's happening, where is the mental obsession coming in, and do you have the allergy of the body? Um, so yeah, I hope that's helpful. Thanks, Beth B, for your question, Roxanne. It's time for your question, Star One, please. Hello, this is Roxanne M from Iowa. Can you hear me okay? No, great. Great. Um, thank you, Jason, so much for your um, your practical uh, wisdom and uh, particularly wrapped in the individual stories related to those. Um, related to the story, um, you made reference to revolution with connecting with the appendix uh, around spiritual experience. And I'd like to hear more about that. That's pretty archetypal. And I would just like to hear more. Could you share? Yeah, thank you so much. Um, so if you think of a revolution as something changing, turning, if you say something's gone in a full revolution, it's gone a 360, it's, it's different, right? So when I first recovered in September of um, uh, 2017, I came home for Christmas to see my family. And I walked through the door and I had uh, Christmas presents individually wrapped for each of my family members and cards. And I walked through the door and my mom looked at me like I had two heads. And she says, whoa, 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 what's this, Jason? And I'm like, it's Christmas presents and gifts, right? I had recovered. I was trying to be considerate and thoughtful of others. And I came in the door with these presents, and she looked at me like, what is happening? And she says, oh, you're, you, you are really turning over a different leaf. And I said, Mom, have I really never come home for Christmas with Christmas presents? And she's like, oh, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't think so. Not like this. <laughs> right? So it, it's becoming different than who you were and who you used to be. I used to be a selfish, self-centered person through doing this work and doing my inventory, I saw how absolutely selfish, dishonest, just, you know, just in my own head and illusions and falsehood and, and, and mistruth. And God has given me a new way of being, a new way of thinking. And now I, I'm set on a different basis. And part of that is practical. You see it on the outside. I show up to Christmas with the presents. Um, part of it's on the inside, um, just a sense of a different outlook on life, a different way of thinking, and the, 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 the process of making amends, of doing um, the inventory, uh, has changed me as a person and has changed 
some fundamental things about me, and God has come in um, to make that revolution possible, if that makes sense. I hope that's helpful. Thank you so much, Roxanne, for your question this morning. Rachel P., your question. Hi, good morning. This is Rachel P., Recovered Compulsive Reader in Pennsylvania. And Jason, I do accept your apology for bothering me the other night while I was eating my dinner. Um, my question for you, Jason, is um, you, know, you talked about this sense of intuition, right? Hearing this intuitive thought, this guidance from God, especially as you pray in the morning with your Step 11 practice and you go over your plans for the day as the big book outlines. And then throughout the day as you pray and connect with God. So my, my question is, how did you become attuned with that intuition? I'd like to hear more of, you know, your history with that. How did it develop? How did you cultivate it through your step work? And how would you recommend that others um, strengthen that sense of intuition? You know, I, I hear from a lot of people, you know, that, that it's not clicking. They're not hearing that. There, there, you know, a lot of self-doubt. And so just would love to hear more on how you cultivated that and any words of wisdom you have for others in cultivating that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Rachel from Pennsylvania. Uh, Rachel's in the bedroom. I'm in the office. She's my fiance. Uh, full disclosure here. Um, great question. And I think that, you know, looking at intuition, um, you know, this big book talks about um, we're not likely to be inspired at all times. Um, at first, this won't be a fully formed muscle. Um, I think we also hear in the big book that God gave us brains to use. Our thought life will be placed on a much higher plane if our thinking is cleared of wrong motives. So I would say to people in recovery, if you're not fully sure what this intuitive thought or decision process looks like is change your thinking to how can I be a service, who would God want me to be, and tr and try to wrap your thinking around that. Now, to get to the intuition, I think we need to look at practices such as the meditation practices, um, the quiet time in the morning. Um, but I also suggest a, a, as a practical sort of thing when I do a 10-step with somebody and um, that person may pray, I may offer, you know, take a minute and see what, step, see what comes up in your mind. And they'll often just get a thought and, I, and they'll say, yeah, but is that thought like from God? Is that my intuition? And I was like, listen, we just described and acknowledged your character defects. You prayed in my presence. We paused. This thought came up. I give them feedback. That thought doesn't seem like if the thought seems kind, loving, truthful, I say, trust that is God's will for you in this moment. So I think it's like a muscle. I think it's something we practice. I don't think it's you know, when I got the intuitive thought to fix my mom's um, cupboard, it's not like I was, you know, it wasn't a burning bush. It wasn't a, a feeling of spiritual revelation. It was a practical thought of how I can be of service to my mom uh, to help somebody um, um, to be of service. Um, so I would practice it, and I just keep practicing. You know, if you read some of the history and um, – you know, Dr. Bob and the old timers, good old timers, they talked about sitting in meditation with groups. They would actually talk about the guidance that they received um, while in meditation. And there's a story of Ann Smith um, when Bob Smith was taking a trip to Vermont and she, in her meditation, she just got the thought like she needed to stay home. 
Like for whatever reason, she had that strong feeling. So she shared that. She stayed home. The day after Bob left on the trip, somebody showed up, alcoholic needing help. Ann Smith was there to help that person. Now, does it always happen like that? Like, oh, my intuitive thought is to, uh, you know, fix my mom's cabinet and I, I found a million dollar check in the back or I found a new compulsive eater to work with. No, but um, it's a very practical process um, and it's not as esoteric or um, out of reach as one might think, I guess. I hope that's helpful. Thank you very, very much. And for those that remain on the list to ask a question, I would just ask that you grab your paper and pencil and take up Jason's telephone number at the conclusion of this meeting and, and ask your question, please, there to your satisfaction. Time has just slipped away from us this morning. Thank you again, Jason, for, present, for presenting this morning and the additional Q&A, just add that, that measure of intimacy and depth and warmth that was just really wonderful. You've offered a lot, offered a lot of yourself this morning. So I would like to now close this meeting by reading from page 164 of the big book like we always do. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourselves to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you.